0: talk about what the Bible calls the right of redemption. We also have a saying, willing and able. We're going to look at that saying, it's just a saying in our, in our society, we're talking about people being willing and able. Uh, and um, I want to start off with the thought that um, when we use the word redeem or redemption, it's usually something where we've already got a connection with what we're redeeming. And uh, when God redeemed Israel out of Egypt, well, God had a connection with the children of Israel and he redeemed them out of the land of bondage. The most common way we use the word redeem outside of Christianity is if you take something to a pawn shop and you're short of money and the pawnbroker hopefully gives you a bit of money and he gives you a set period of time that if you don't come back and redeem your goods uh, and pay him back the money plus interest uh, within six weeks or I can't remember, different times I suppose, then he will flog it. you will make a lot more money than what he gave you. But if you go back and you get it, you have redeemed your possession. So that's sort of mainly where we would use the word today. In Christianity, of course, we use it all the time because of Jesus Christ coming to redeem us. And we'll look at that a little bit later. I want to have a look at um, uh, the book of Ruth, All right, just before 1 Samuel. And just after the Judges, we have the book of Ruth. And we're thinking about this rite of redemption. And uh, it's a, it really comes up big time in this little story. And uh, we we'll just pick it up there a little bit where Naomi uh, came to realize that uh, Ruth had uh, been gleaning in the field of Boaz. And once you heard that, he said, well, hey, he's my kinsman. And uh, they had this system where he could... Uh, sort of, as it were, gain their, their freedom and their, and, and, and be a blessing unto them. And we know the story it was an old tradition, it's a bit of a funny one in, in our modern society, but if she was to go and lie at, at, his feet, and, uh, and she was, he was then, if the, if the, um, um, relative, in a sense, uh, kinsman, threw the blanket over that would, that means that they would redeem that person. In this case, of course, uh, um, Ruth was uh, not of the children of Israel, she was a Moabitess, amazing story of how that she left her own family and her own gods and uh, she took on the God of Israel and the God of Naomi and uh, she was this spectacular person. But we just pick up at a little bit where she went to do what her um, mother-in-law told her to do and of course we just see her great attitude in Ruth chapter 3 and verse 5. And she said unto her, that's Naomi under, no, other way around, Ruth unto Naomi, all that thou sayest unto me I will do. She went down under the floor, the threshing floor, and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and down in verse, um, I'll keep reading, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn, and she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And he came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid, or startled, it says in my column. And he turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she said, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid. And then she said, For thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed me more kindness in the latter end than in the beginning, and as much as thou followest not the young men, uh, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am thy kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman well, let uh, him... Do the kinsman's part, but if you will not do that part of the kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of the kinsman to thee as the Lord liveth lie down until the morning. so have this little little story and uh and um what what we do get from it is that you had the right to redeem, or you didn't. And the thing about willing and able, you can be as willing as you like. As a word to redeem a situation, but if you've got no right to it, it doesn't matter how willing you are, you have got no claim on it. And uh it can be the other way around too. You might have the right to do it, and we'll see that in the next chapter, but you're not willing to do it. So uh you are able to do it, but you're not willing to do it. And that's um, in chapter four. And then verse one, then when Boaz went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. Behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by, under whom he said, Ho, such a one, I like that, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and he sat down. They knew each other because they were related. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. He said unto the kinsman, Naomi, that is, come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise you or bring it to your notice, saying, Buy it for the for the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou will redeem it, redeem it. But if thou will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know that there is none to redeem it besides thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. So when it was just getting a nice bit of dirt, maybe not paying much money for it or whatever, he was all for it. Yeah, I'll have that. Thank you very much. But then there was a condition, wasn't there? Then he said in verse 5, Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field at the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth or Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up uh, the name of the dead upon his inheritance, is the Old Testament law. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. So here's a case, he was able to do it, but he wasn't willing to do it. He had reasons why he didn't want to. We don't quite know exactly. Maybe it was just as simple as he said. Maybe it was the fact that she was a Moabitess. And he might have thought, mm, not too keen on this. And uh, who knows? We don't know, but he got out of it and said, yes, I am able to do it. It is my right, but I don't want to do it. And so then Boaz comes in, And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself. I read all that. Verse 7, Now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe, and he gave it to his neighbor. And this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee, so he drew off his shoe. And Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day, that I have bought all that was and all that was uh, Chileons and Mahon, the two sons, of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth of Moabites, the wife of Mahlon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, the name of the dead being not cut off from among his brethren from the gate of his place. Ye are witnesses these days. And all the people that were in the gate, the elders said, we are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is come into thine house, like Rachel and like Leah, uh, with uh, which two did build the house of Israel, be thou worthy of in Ephratah, and be famous in Bethlehem, and let thy house be like the house of Pharez, whom Tamar bear, Tamar bear under Judah, and of thy seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. There's a lot more there to read, uh, read but what is the main story? Of course, is that this is. The whole reason, other than the wonderful story of Ruth and her conversion, if we can use that word, we have, of course, the fact that she is in the, in the bloodline, uh, not in the bloodline, but in the, in the inheritance, in the family tree, word a different way, of Jesus Christ and, and, and King David. Verse 18 says, now these are the generations of Phares. Phares begat Hezron, Hezron begat Ram, and Ram begat, um, Aminadab. Naminadab begat Narshan, and begat Salmon. Salmon begat the guy we're talking about, Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed, uh, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David, or begot. So, um, it's very sort of important part of the whole story, and, uh, what we get out of it though, as I said, is two things. You've got a right to redeem it, but then are you willing to redeem it? If you haven't got the right to redeem it, as I said, you can be as willing as you like. But you've got, you'll got you never better do it, because you've got the right to do it. But if you have got the right to do it, then are you willing? And we see that Boaz was. Another little story on oh no, before we turn to that one, let's have a look at Deuteronomy in chapter 7, in the Old Testament law. Deuteronomy chapter 7. just God's relationship with the children of Israel. Just one verse here, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 8, where the Lord says, Because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Again, he had the right to do that. Because of the promises though under Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, because of God's covenant with the forebears of the children of Israel, He had a right to redeem them when they ended up in bondage, not that they did anything wrong particularly. Uh, often people end up in, in bondage when they do something wrong. Israel had not done that. They'd just gone to live in the land of Egypt, but had got into bondage. God came down through Moses and He redeemed them. He brought them back and brought them into the promised land. Let's have a look at Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 1. An interesting little part of the life of Jeremiah. All of these things always have significance. No little story like the one we just read of Ruth and Boaz and Naomi always has a meaning behind it. Just a little, establishing a little bit of the family tree of uh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1 verse 1. And the words of Jeremiah the son of Hilkiah Of the priests that were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. By the way, there's a little bit of confusion sometimes. Jeremiah was related to the king of Judah because there is another Jeremiah. There's not the same Jeremiah. Actually, there's quite a few Jeremiahs. People sometimes say that he was, um, uh, you know, Josiah's uh, uncle or something. No, he wasn't because he was of the tribe of Judah and Jeremiah, this Jeremiah is, is a Levite. He's of the tribe of, he's of the priesthood. So it's a different, it's totally different. So people get things muddled up. So there we are. He was of the priests and he was an Anathoth. So that's an p- important point, important point to establish. Go to chapter 11. Jeremiah chapter 11. Just verse 21 says, Therefore thus saith the Lord of the men of Anathoth that seek thy life, saying prophesy not in the name of the Lord, that they die not by our hand. So I do say we've all got relatives like that that don't like us. Not quite as bad as that. And they didn't like him prophesying. Reminds me of Jesus when he was up in, uh, in, uh, um, Nazareth. I can say Bethlehem. When he was up in Nazareth and his brothers came to him before they got converted and said, go down to Judah. We don't, you know, we don't really believe in you. And they were embarrassed by Jesus Christ. Later on, praise the Lord, they got converted. And here we sort of see the family of Jeremiah saying, don't come up here prophesying to us, go away, and some harm might come to you if you go on prophesying here. Verse 22, Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will punish them. The young men shall die by the sword, their sons and their daughters shall die by famine, and there shall be no remnant of them for I will bring evil upon the men of Anathoth, even the year of their visitation, which of course happened when Nebuchadnezzar came down. Next chapter, um, chapter 12, just a couple of verses. Verse 6 says, For even thy brethren, or your brothers, and the house of thy father, even they have dealt treacherously with thee, yea, they have called a multitude after thee. Believe them not, though they speak fair words unto thee. So, you don't, you've got to read between the lines here a little bit. For some reason now, they sort of wanted to know him, maybe because he'd become famous, I don't know. But he said, don't be deceived by their sweet talk, they still don't like you, and they would still do you harm if they had the slightest chance. So don't be taken in by them. Verse 7, I have, for, I have forsaken, this is now Jeremiah talking about his own people, I have forsaken mine house, I have left mine heritage. I've given the dearly beloved of my soul under the hand of her enemies. That's a bit of a hard thing to sort of talk about and confess to. But his own people had disowned him. And God said, look, they've got a few fair speeches at the moment. Nothing's changed. They're still like they were before. And Jeremiah says, well, they're not my family anymore. I mean, sometimes even you and I and the Lord, not that we ever wish any harm upon our friends or our relatives or so on. But when you come to the Lord, it can be like this. And all the people said, oh, a few people said, Amen. I know when I came to the Lord, um I was very lucky, my immediate family came to the Lord, mum and dad, and my two brothers, brothers—that nobody else ever did to this day. And a lot of my relatives or my parents, uh, brothers, sisters and so on, grandparents, were all vehemently opposed uh, uh, about what uh, we had done and, just cut us off really. Never had a good word to say about us and uh did it bother us? No, not really. A little bit, maybe a little bit of bother, not much. We found a new family. We were so excited, far happy to be with our brothers and sisters in the Lord that believed the same and spoke the same and so on. Wouldn't have minded if some of the rallies had come to the Lord, but they never did. And uh, we just moved on very happily in the Lord. Um. Chapter 32, talking about that family, a little incident happens here, maybe a bit later. Um, so Jeremiah 32, verse 1. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah. Now we know this is only one year before all the destruction happened because it happened in the eleventh year of the, of the last king of Judah. So it's only a few months before Nebuchadnezzar comes down. In actual fact, it appears that the city of Jerusalem was already in siege, was already surrounded, but hadn't fallen, fell the next year, which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. For then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison, which is in the king of Judah's house. For Zedekiah, king of Judah, had shut him up, saying, Wherefore dost thou prophesy? Sounds like his own family, doesn't it? And say, so, thus saith the Lord, behold, I'll give the city into the hand, the king of Babylon, and he shall take it, and Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape out of the hand of the, the Chaldeans, but shall surely be delivered into the hand, the king of Babylon shall speak, uh, and shall speak with him mouth to mouth, and his eyes shall behold his, his eyes. Actually, in actual fact, we know a year later he didn't have any eyes. Not Zedekiah didn't. As that was the pun- beginning of the punishment. Pretty gory sort of a thing happened to him there. And uh, he shall lead Zedekiah to Babylon. There was there lead him there otherwise you'll be blind, and know every exactly what happened. And there shall be uh, and there shall he be until I visit him. So I thought, though ye fight with the Chaldeans ye shall not prosper. And Jeremiah the word uh, and Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came unto me saying Behold, here's the old family, bobbed up again. Hamaliel, the son of Shalom, thine uncle shall come unto thee, saying, Buy thee my field that is in Anathoth, for the right of redemption is thine to buy. It sounds like the story of Ruth, doesn't it? So Hamaliel, Hanamiel, mine uncle's son, in other words his cousin, it's an easy way of saying it, came to me in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said unto me, Buy my field, I pray thee, that is in Anathoth which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is thine, and the redemption is thine. Buy it for thyself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. Would you buy a block of land, which was only walking distance from Jerusalem, when you knew the whole lot was going to go to the Babylonians? It was sort of like somebody saying, "Um, I want to sell this property. Um, I found out that it's got a fault line right through the middle of it, but I'm not going to tell you that. Would you like to buy it? And uh, and then if you found out that the it did have a fault line right through, it sounds like New Zealand, doesn't it? Right through the middle of it, uh, would you buy it? So you kind of think, well, this guy's trying to do a shonky. He's trying to sell me a bit of the family farm property. When, hey, the whole lot's going to go with the Babylonians. Maybe already occupied, who knows? But he says, I can see this is of the Lord. In verse 9, And I bought the field of on my uncle's son, there was Anathot, and weighed him the money, even 17 shekels of silver. And I subscribed the evidence and sealed it and took the witness. I like I quite like reading this. I used to be what was called a, a licensed land broker. Uh, I used to do the legal part of, real I call conveyances these days. When I read through this, it's sort of like my old occupation. It's all the legal side. So I took the evidence of the purchase, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom, uh, that which was was open. I gave the evidence of the purchase under Barak, the son of Nerah, the son of that guy and the, all those people, in the sight of Hanamil, my cousin, and in the presence of the witnesses that subscribed the book of the purchase, the certificate of title, as we'd say today, before all the Jews that sat in the court of the prison. And I charged Barak before saying, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, take these evidences and this evidence of the purchase, both which is sealed and this evidence which is open, and put them in the earthen vessel that they may continue many days. But thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. There's mostly more in the story. But what it was is that it was a sort of a guarantee that one day, not Jeremiah himself, but the children of Israel would come back and they would possess the land. So whereas it looked like a, a crazy deal, cost him 17 shekels, we know in the Bible, 17 re- represents uh, security, it represents safety, and, uh, and it's never by chance when it's got a number like that. This was the safety and security for the future of Israel. So even though Jeremiah himself had bought a block of land which he himself would never ever see or even inherit, he bought it for the children of Israel. So it was quite an amazing prophecy. But again, we just see there that he had the right of redemption. Nobody else had it. He had it. He purchased it. And he purchased it for the children of Israel. I now want to talk about the guy I really want to talk about. And that, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, but first of all, Psalm 111. Read the psalm, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah would be in Hebrew. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. His work is honourable and glorious, and his righteousness endureth forever. He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion he hath given meat unto them that fear him; he will ever be mindful of, of his covenant. He has showed his people the power of his works that he may give them the heritage of the heathen. The works of his hands are verily and ju- verity, sorry, and judgment which means truth and judgment. All his commandments are sure; they stand fast for ever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. He sent redemption unto his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. Holy and uh, reverend is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and good understanding have all they that do his commandments, his praise, endure forever. There's one of those great psalms about how great God is, and how wonderful he is, and how reliable he is, and how he has uh, proved himself over and over again, when in the midst of and Pastor David was saying that in this very troubled and corrupt world, why do we have such a you know a standard? Somebody that we are connected to that is not going to let us down. And you know, we're going through some big political upheavals around the world, and people get all excited about, like in America at the moment, the next president. They did that eight years ago, and so on. It's a human being who possibly has got a couple of faults. The understatement of the year and uh and we all you know people put their hope in this you know, I remember when Barack Obama became president eight years ago, he had to make a statement which was an an interesting one. He said, "I was not born in a manger, in other words, I'm not a messiah, I can't solve every problem, and he said he didn't do that, and uh, so here we are, people put their trust in these people oh it's going to be great, America great, and so on, but really. We got the good guy. We got the great guy. We've got Jesus Christ. We've got God. Let's have a look in um, Luke chapter 18. Just an interesting little story about um, a lady that uh, was looking for justice. Well, it was actually a parable. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. And he spake, Thus Jesus spake parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint or lose heart saying, There was in a city a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in the city, and she came to him, saying, Avenge me uh, from mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, or give her justice, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he be along with them? And I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, pretty famous verse, this one. Nevertheless, when the son of man cometh, shall he find faith on earth. So again, it's a comparison between good and evil, between a good attitude and a bad attitude, between, uh, in, in, you might say in a case where the judge had sort of an authority to do what he, 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 uh, he could do but he wasn't very willing to do it, was he? You know, he said, I'll do it in the end because she'll just be a pain in the neck to put it in modern terminology. You know, she can irritate me. So not a very good attitude. And then he said, hey, my attitude's not like that. I want to very willingly, I'm able to, and I'm very willing to avenge my people to meet their needs and give them justice and so on. Um, one of the great stories of redemption, I'm only going to just, Touch on it briefly. Such as a whole subject in itself is the lineage of Joseph and the lineage of Mary. One in Matthew chapter one, and the other in the book of Luke chapter three. And It's a little bit confusing when you go through them because you end up with Salathiel, one of the people in the lineage, end up being the descendants of two lines. And what it is, the answer to it is, is that one had the right of redemption to gain the line the evil line, you might say, of Jehoiachin, the last sort of living king after Zedekiah. And uh, we know that met uh, down the track, we see that a descendant of Nathan had the right of redemption to take that line over from the house of Judah. And you actually, when you trace it right through, you find that both Joseph and Mary were descendants of Nathan, not through Solomon, not through Zedekiah, not through Jehoiachin, which ended up being an evil line, through another but it's another whole story and it's all to do with this right of redemption a person who had the right to redeem and to take that on um just have a look in um uh Luke chapter 1 same book Luke chapter 1 you know often we read I do myself in particular love reading the words of um what um uh Simeon said in the uh, temple when he blessed Jesus. I wish we had what Anna said. It says that she said similar things to Simeon. We don't actually have the record of it. We have the wonderful words of what the angels said, what the heavenly angels appeared to the to the shepherds and so on. But one of the great passages is what uh, the father of John the Baptist, what he said about Jesus. And we're going to read that right now. Once his tongue was loosed after he'd been dumb, and he finally named his son uh, John, in Luke chapter 1 and verse 67. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Ghost and he prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and he hath raised up a horn of salvation for us. And now he's not talking about his son here. He's talking about Jesus Christ, all right? Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He hath visited and redeemed, verse 69, and hath raised up and horn of salvation uh, for us in the house of his servant David. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. Well, we just read a couple of stories like that in the Old Testament, again where the Lord uh, redeemed the situation. To perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. And the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, that he would grant us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And then he talks about his son. And thou, child, John the Baptist, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, prophesied in the Old Testament to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. What a beautiful phrase. To give light to them that sit in darkness, and the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. And then it talks about John the Baptist, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, it was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. So, could have read the others, they're very similar. The Lord has sent his Son to redeem us. He sent his Son that we could be set free. But The most important thing to realize is that he had the right to do it. Now you might say that a prophet or a holy person or a godly person would love to do it, would love to forgive us of our sins, would love to set us free and go through all the... But they haven't got a right to do it. Even if they're godly, even if they're wonderful people, the only person, that's the point I want to make, the only person that had the right to do it, first of all, was God, and then his son. Because of what his son achieved when he was on earth, where he committed no sin, and when he died on the cross of Calvary, and when he rose again from the dead, he then had the right to redeem us. And the good thing was, he was willing to do it. Thank goodness he was. He had the right and he was willing. He wanted, he loved us, he cared for us, he wanted to set us free. Just have a look in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Just one verse. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. Muhammad, no good, hasn't got the right. Buddha, no good, hasn't got the right. The Dalai Lama, no good, hasn't got the right. Harry Krishna, or Krishna as he was known, hasn't got the right. You can go through all the gurus, go through all this person, that person, They haven't got the right maybe they're willing and they even talk about it, but they can't do it because they didn't do what Jesus did. He became acceptable unto God, and God gave him the right to do it because of the life that he lived. In first Peter chapter one First Peter chapter one, just in verse eighteen. There's mostly dozens of scriptures on this particular point, but um uh we just grab a couple of them. First uh, Peter chapter 1 and verse 18 For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ of a lamb without blemish and without spot. makes it very clear that this, this person is the only one that can do it and that has never altered in 2,000 years. He is the only one that's ever had the right and willing to do it. So, you know, people often sort of, as it were, almost want to bypass Jesus. I think of the, the religious group called the Jehovah's Witness. Sort of, to them, God is everything, and Jesus is, oh, well, he's a little bit important, but they want to go straight to God. It doesn't work that way. God has said it's through my Son that I'm going to redeem people. I'm going to buy them back. Remember, that's what the word means, to buy back. You're going to come back, and we're going to be God's possession you might say. He said he didn't do it with money. You know, when you go into the pawn shop to redeem whatever your goods are, you do it with money. You buy back your goods. He said he didn't do it that way. He did it with something far more valuable. He did it with his own blood. You He redeemed us by the shedding of his blood. In Revelation chapter 5, we'll just look at one more scripture after that. Revelation chapter 5. Interesting little chapter this one. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1, I saw in the right of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Nobody. There was nobody worthy. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, um, through Jesse, through Boaz, amazingly enough there, hath prevailed to open the book, and to loose the seven seals thereof. So that word prevail is pretty important. He overcame whatever had to be overcome. He prevailed. He was conquered. He, he, was successful. It's another word. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and the four beasts, that's all in the previous chapter, by the way, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it is, had, as it had been slain. Having seven goes through all that details, all to do with the book of Revelation. But then it goes on to say, all well, the terminology of the book of Revelation, should I say. And he came and he took the book out of the hand of him that sat on the throne, and when he had taken the book, by the way, which is representing not just the book of Revelation, you might as well say the whole word of God, he had the right to, again to open it, nobody else had that right. Um, when he had taken the book of four beasts and they all fell down before the Lamb and then in verse 9 and they sung a new song saying very important, thou art worthy to take the book thou art worthy to redeem mankind Thou art worthy, the only one that's worthy, who that can save us. And to open the seals thereof, for thou hast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, which we read previously, out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts of the elders, and the elders, and so on, all these people. Verse 12 saying, with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power. Seven things here. Power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. He's the only one, all the people said. But i got one more scripture. Back to the book of Ruth. And I'm just going to use this little saying of Naomi's as. Take a little bit of context, she was talking about Boaz, but I want to talk about Jesus, the way she talked about Boaz, so Ruth chapter three, and in just one verse, when she was talking about Naomi, uh, uh, Ruth going and lying at his feet and and him uh, redeeming them, so Ruth uh, chapter three and verse eighteen, this is what Naomi said. Um. before she went and did it, what we read in chapter 4. This is what she said in verse 18. Then she, said she, Naomi said, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. And that's a beautiful description of Jesus. You know, there were times when... You know, people want to distract him from what he was doing. He said, no, I must work while it is day. I've got a job to do. I'm here to redeem mankind. I'm here to save them. And as they say, be still, be at rest. There's no panic here. There's nothing to worry about. We'll see how the metaphor we have seen, how he died on the cross and rose again. For the man will not be at rest until he has finished the thing this day. And that's what Jesus did. He came to this earth, total success, 100% success. He has the right of redemption for every one of us and he's willing to do it. And all the people said, Amen.